0: If you would like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at give. Thank you for listening. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Let us pray. Father, I come before you one more time, Lord. I'm grateful for your love in our lives, and I'm gra- grateful for your word. I just ask you, Lord, that today you speak into our lives you speak into the life of our church, God. We all need a word today. We all need Jesus for You to speak into our lives. Many of us come today with different burdens, different different uh, weights on their shoulders, Lord. And, and I just ask You today that as we as we go through Your Word, that You can uh, in, that You can lift us up today, that Your Spirit can fill our hearts, and that Your fill, Your Spirit can give us the peace that we all need, that we all seek, God. We just ask you today that we can be open and receptive to your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Give God one more hand, praise, and you may be seated. As a kid growing up, um, my dad was very, very big into Westerns. He loved Westerns. So much so that he would read Western books uh, by Louis Lam- Lamar. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of him, but he would read those, and to the point where even I would read a few. And it was interesting. It was a very, very cool concept of the cowboys and the uh, the wild, wild West and the shootouts and all this stuff. It was it was very good. And we would watch shows. We would watch things like Bonanza, Rawhide. We would watch these. Uh, very holy shows. They were awesome. They were clean. and <laughs> Yeah, it was good. Gunsmoke. And I remember growing up that my, my brother and I, we would, because we were influenced by these shows, we would play cowboys in the backyard. And I'd be the Lone Ranger and he would be Tonto. And although he always wanted to be the Lone Ranger, but I was older, so I always won, right? And... We would play cowboys and Indians. And and for whatever reason, I know this is not politically correct, right? But the Indians were always the bad guys, even though we took their lands. Hallelujah. Anyways. But we would play cowboys and Indians, and we would always pretend to be chasing one another. and, And we would pretend to, I don't even remember exactly what the goal was. We loved playing cowboys and Indians growing up. And I always remember that one of the main weapons that the Indians had, because the cowboys, they had, a, they had guns, right? And what could be cooler, than, more cooler than a gun? But I think that Indians were a little bit cooler. This is way before Hunger Games, okay? Assassin's Creed, that they would carry bows and arrows. And one of the things that as you watch some of these TV shows, what they would do with the bows and arrows, the Indians, was that they would light a fire at the tip. They would wrap it in some sort of rag or cloth, and then they would light a fire. And when they were ambushing some cowboys, they were ambushing some sort of caravan, they would, they would fire an arrow that was flaming onto one of these caravans, these covered wagons that were just covered in cloth. They weren't made out of fiberglass like today's cars. They were just some sort of cloth. And what would happen was, would be that these covered wagons would catch on fire. Now this is where it's interesting because Indians, they weren't necessarily looking to destroy the cowboy or whoever their enemy was by the, with the flaming arrow. What they were trying to create was a distraction. Praise the Lord everybody. Amen. The flaming arrow that was pointed at their enemy was meant to create a distraction. It wasn't meant necessarily to kill them. It wasn't meant necessarily to to utterly destroy them, what they wanted to create was some sort of diversion, some sort of distraction where they're all focusing on putting out the fire because there's people in the covered wagon, or they're focusing on getting the people out of the covered wagon. And now the Indians can come from whatever side, from the back or from the front or from the side, and truly attack them with whatever weapons they had, whether it was a spear or, or, or whatever it was that they would use. And the, the flaming arrow wasn't just a distraction. And see the enemy that we have. We've been talking the past few weeks that there is a real enemy that is out to get us. There is an enemy that attacks us. And we've been talking about this idea of the unseen that we don't, although we don't see the enemy. Eye to eye, flesh to flesh, that there is an enemy, there is a power, there is a devil that is real in our lives, that is active, and he is out. He's out to distract you. He's out to distract you. And these flaming arrows that the enemy points at us, they're not necessarily meant to kill us, because again, Uh, The flaming arrow was used as a distraction. But what I can tell you today is that your distraction can lead to your destruction. Your distraction can lead to your destruction. Because when we're distracted by life, when we're distracted by everything that's going on in our lives. And see, the the enemy doesn't, doesn't scheme against you without any reason or without any strategy. He knows exactly what bothers Daniel the most. He knows what my heart is really after. And he knows very well the things that are in my life that are weak for me. That there's a weakness in me. And he attacks me and he will attack you through the weakness that you may have. And, And it causes a distraction in our lives. It causes us to where the word of God says... Fix your eyes on Jesus, and then your job is. Calls you and tells you, you know what, we're having some layoffs and you're part of the cut. And now there's a distraction where once we were looking at Jesus, now we've looked over to the side and said, what am I going to do? I don't have a job now. Or maybe the doctor called you and he gave you some bad news, news you didn't want to hear, news you didn't want to know. And he tells you, you know what, this is going on. This is The blood test came back and this is going on. And instead of fixing our eyes on Jesus, now we become distracted. And we're looking at the flaming arrow. We're we're looking at what's on fire in our lives. And and sometimes it doesn't even necessarily need to be something like a a bad doctor's report. Or or a loss of a job. or, or, Or some sort of major catastrophic event in our lives. Sometimes it's just as simple as insecurities in your life. Intimidation you may feel by those around you. It can be anxiety. It can be worry. It can be busyness. So, how many of you don't live a busy life? All right, we have a very genuine church. We have a church that lives in the real life, right? We all are busy. And sometimes the busyness of our lives can be a flaming arrow that distracts us from what God is calling us to do, from what God wants to do in our lives. And we're so focused on the flaming arrow. We're so focused on the things I have to do. I'm so focused on that bad news I got. I'm so focused on making ends meet. I'm so focused on making more money. I am so focused on these things that sometimes don't even truly matter in the long run, but they have us distracted from what God wants us to be looking at. And see, I've told you a few times the past weeks is that the enemy doesn't care if you believe in him. Okay? The enemy doesn't care if you recognize him. All he cares about is to distract you from God. All the enemy wants to do in your life is to create a separation between you and God. He wants to stand in the middle. God is here and you are here. And the enemy is causing a barrier, a distraction in your life where you can't get to God because you're so focused on your busyness. Or you're so focused on the bad news. Or you're so focused on your success you're so focused on those things you want to achieve those things you want to you want to obtain in your life and come on church this is the reality is that we are not the first people to go through this this is why paul writes to the ephesians uh, to the church in ephesus and, and throughout the letter from ephesians chapter 1 all the way to ephesians chapter 6 he is encouraging them he's giving them practical practical advice on how to live a christian life how to live a family life how to live in unity together but when he's ending the letter he reminds them that all these things that he is encouraging to do will require a focus will require a strength that they can only get from God it's the only source and, and he informs them in chapter six what we've been talking about in verse 12 for our struggle is not against flesh and and blood my struggle is not against making my lease payment my my struggle is not against the bad doctor report that i got my struggle is not against the loss of the job my struggle is not the broken down vehicle that i have my struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms that's where your struggle lies. That's where my struggle lies. Every morning when I wake up, I am immediately engaged in a spiritual battle. I am immediately engaged in a struggle in my heart, in my mind. That I today I will focus on Jesus. And the next thing that happens is the kids won't wake up to go to school. And I lose focus. I am focused to get to to church on Sunday. And the next thing you get is that the kids don't want to go to church. And by the time you get to church, you're pulling your hair. You are just so upset at the whole world. World War III broke out in your car, in your house, in your apartment on the way home. And you're distracted. Because our struggle is not a flesh and blood struggle It's a spiritual struggle where there's an enemy that will distract you from your purpose, will distract you from your destiny, will distract you from your calling. Our struggle is against rulers and authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. And for this reason, the Apostle Paul instructs the Ephesians, uh, Therefore, put on the full armor of God. Now, it's interesting, right? When you look at the full armor of God, you look at the, at the different parts, the, 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 the belt of truth, the, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of uh, 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 readiness. Uh, you look at all this, it's like a uniform. It's like a Christian uniform that we should be wearing. Now, I've worked in the medical field for, for a long time, and we're required at some jobs to wear a uniform. And you've all seen them. You've seen them at the hospitals. Uh, you even see them walking around at the malls going up to pick up some food. And, and nurses and people that are in the medical field, they're wearing what we call scrubs. And that is their uniform. That indicates to the people that they're helping that they are a qualified uh, or they somebody that belongs at the hospital or at the place that they're seeking help that can help them. And it's a uniform that they wear. But there are items in their uniform or that you associate with the nurse or you associate with the medical worker that is not technically part of the uniform. They have instruments. They use a stethoscope. They use a blood pressure cuff. They use several different items. And, and kind of in the same vein, the Apostle Paul says, you got to put on all this stuff. You got uh, to lace yourself with the belt. You got to put on the breastplate. You got to put on your Jordans. You got you to be ready to go at any moment, any time. But at the same time, you got to take up, he says. Take up the shield of faith. He instructs us to take up The shield of faith. Faith. What is faith? Now faith is one of those Words that are really associated with church, right? And we, we, we throw it around and we, we, we talk and we use it in, 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 different, um, in different terms and we use it in different phrases. Like, I, I have my faith. Uh, faith got me through it. If I didn't have faith, I don't know where I'd be. Or we refer to certain organizations as faith-based organizations. And we throw around this term and we use this term, faith. But the question is, what is, what is truly faith? The definition of faith. What is faith in our lives? Is faith our religion? Is faith the way we think? Is faith a set of values? What is faith? Well the writer to the Hebrews in chapter 11 verse 1. He clears it up for us as he says. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for. And assurance about what we do not see. Faith is. It's a confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Once again, the unseen. There are things that we don't see that can distract us. But then again, there are things that we don't see that haven't come to pass. And we read them in the Word of God. We read them in the Bible. And we read about these promises that God gives you when you become a part of His family. He says every believer, every person that calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. And it requires faith. The Apostle Paul says that, we, that it is necessary to have faith or to please God through faith. The only way to please God is to have faith. So what is faith? Faith is believing in something that you don't see. When the word of God says that that he's given us all the heavenly blessings in our lives, but yet our bank accounts at zero, they're wanting to repo our car. That we've lost our job and we look at the Bible and says there's blessings in my life. There's heaven. I, I just don't see it. I, I, my, my marriage is falling apart. My relationships are falling apart. My kids don't like me very much. I don't like my kids very much. And all these things are happening. But yet the Bible says that there, I've received every blessing that are in the heavenly realms is mine. Well, that's, that, that sounds great. That sounds awesome. But I just don't see it. In order to see it, you have to have faith. You have to have faith. And you have to declare the things that aren't yet, that haven't come yet, as if they are today. Maybe your child doesn't want to go to church. Maybe your child doesn't want to accept Jesus. You got to keep praying over him. You got to keep loving him. You got to keep encouraging him. You got to keep directing his path. Because one day, even though you don't see it, even though you may think it's impossible, even though you think there's no way, no way it can happen, faith is the confidence of those things that have not happened, but we don't see them, and yet we know that the Bible promises it keep praying. I got to keep seeking him. I I have to believe it. The doctor gave me some bad news. Well, as long as I'm breathing, as long as I'm walking, I am going to continue believing that I am healed. I'm going to continue living my life and doing everything that I can until God tells me otherwise. I am whole. Though I may not see it, though my my knees hurt, though my back hurts, though my head is constantly in pain because of migraines, I am believing in the healing that God can give me. It's true faith. The assurance about what we do not see. When Paul says to use faith as a shield, and he's referring to the, the flaming arrows of the enemy. We have to understand that these arrows are directed to us with a purpose. They're meant to distract us. And have you? you you've gotten these before. You've had one of these arrows pointed at you, and, and it's, it's caused a fire in your life. It's caused a, a fire, you know, that flaming arrow of doubt that comes. Did God really say that? God really say that that if I accept him and that if I call on him that all my sins can be forgiven? I don't know. And then the, the enemy points that, that arrow of doubt in our lives and says, but I've done, I've done so many things in my life. Uh, there's so many things I'm ashamed of. There are so many things I've turned my back on God. How is it possible that he could say that he still loves me? How is it possible that he could still be calling me and see that flaming arrow comes at you? And it's distracting you. It's distracting you. You know, we've all had that flaming arrow of doubt. Can I really trust God? Can I really trust Him to to do what He says he's gonna do? To to, that things that He says, can I really apply them in my life? Will it really make a difference? Can I I don't know, there's there's just doubt in my life. And we're attacked. We're attacked. Can God really save someone like me? And these questions about how unqualified we are, how unworthy we are, all these things come back to us when we, when we try to do something for God and when we're, we are uh, attacked by, by daily circumstances and we begin to doubt. Maybe God is not blessing me because I, I'm doing something wrong. Isn't? It? Have you ever thought that? Have you ever thought that, that... I've been praying for this breakthrough and I'm not getting it. And maybe it's just because I'm not performing. Maybe it's because I'm not being good enough. Maybe it's because I'm not praying enough. Maybe it's because I'm not fasting enough. Maybe because it's something that I I need to fix in my life and I need to do. Well, you know what? There are things we need to fix in our lives for sure. But the things that we need to do, our number one job as believers, if we're going to be called believers, is to have faith. Because there's nothing you and I can do to impress God. When's the last time you impressed God with your prayer life? When's the last time you impressed God with your fasting? When's the last time you impressed God by being here before even the pastor got here and just ready to go? When is the last time you impress God by going to all your neighbors? There's, you get my point? There's nothing you can do that will impress God. At the same time, there's nothing you can do that will make God love you more or that will make God love you less. The Word of God says God is love. He loves you. With all your brokenness, with your jacked up life, He loves you. No matter what. And He continues To call you. So the Apostle Paul says raise up that shield of faith. That's what's going to block that arrow of doubt in your life. That doubt that God doesn't love you. That doubt that God really can't use you. That doubt that God is just not something that you can obtain in your life. That you got to block that with faith in your life. Romans chapter 10 verse 17. It says that consequently faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So what, what the, what the writer is saying is that you got to fill yourself up. That's why we're here today. We're here because we need a fill-up, right? We, we need to fill up our tanks, our spiritual tanks, because if we're honest, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but just be honest with yourself. We may have not read the Bible this week, and we're still not reading it. We're just reading some slides. And if we're honest, we probably didn't pray this week. And if we did pray, it was a very superficial praying for me to go to sleep and for me to wake up well and for me to just uh, be able to eat well and that the food will be blessed, that it won't do me any harm. These tacos, these greasy tacos won't harm my body. Yeah, we prayed for them tacos last night. Jesus. No, we have to fill ourselves up because faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. When you come to church, it's not just so you can sit for an hour and be entertained or for you to sit an hour to fulfill a duty. It's so that your faith tank can be filled up. That your faith tank can be, it might be running on empty, it's time to bring it to full. So that doubt attacks us. We can raise up our shield of faith. and We can withstand it. I mean, we've all had this, right? We've all had that that flaming arrow of discouragement thrown at us. Discouragement. Man, I'm never going to get it and I try, I try. I try so hard. I try to pray every day. I try to read the Bible, but as I'm reading, I fall asleep and as I'm praying, I start thinking of other things and I just I just can't. I don't I don't know what's wrong with me. We get discouraged. My life isn't going to change. I'm trying to give up that addiction. I'm trying to give up that pornography. I'm trying to give up those drugs. I'm trying to give up that alcohol. I'm I'm trying to be nicer to my family. I'm trying not to get angry as much. And you get discouraged. You get discouraged. And you think... My life won't change. And that flaming arrow of discouragement comes into your life. And, and the enemy, he don't care if you recognize him. But as long as you're discouraged, man, the enemy, he's on his game. So he thinks. And see, in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus tells his disciples, I have told you these things. Now these things, if you read all of John chapter 16, actually, if you start reading John from chapter 12 on to 16... Jesus is telling his disciples about all these bad things that are about to happen. He's going to, that Jesus is going to die, that all the disciples are going to turn against him, that they're going to deny him, that one is going to be a traitor. And he's telling them all these bad news. And and Jesus says in, in verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. See, Jesus says, you know what, guys, you're going to do all these things. But I'm telling you so that you know, I already know this. I got this. I expect that you're going to mess up. I expect that you're going to turn your back on me. I expect that these things are going to happen in your life. And you're going to be discouraged. You're going to be lost. But I tell you these things. So that you can have peace. So that when it's time for you to come back, when it's time for you to gather back again, so that you can know that I overcame the world. And see, Jesus' victory is our victory. What Jesus overcame, we can overcome. He says, be encouraged, take heart, take heart. Raise up that shield of faith. Believe in the words of Jesus. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you might have had a bad weekend, but Jesus still loves you. Doesn't mean you got to give up. Keep going. Keep trying. Keep trying. You got to put one foot in front of the other. You just got to keep walking. We've all had these flaming arrows. You've had this one. You've had the... The flaming arrow of delay. Why is this taking so long? Right? Because we, sometimes we find ourselves on the other side, man. We're praying. We are praying our hearts out. And it seems like God is just not, he's falling asleep. I don't know. He took a vacation. I don't know what happened, but God, I've been praying for, for, for a week now. <laughs> I've been praying for six months now. I've been praying for a year, and yet still I see no movement. I still don't see the hand of God working. What is taking God so long? And we get, we get distracted. We start thinking on the delay. We start thinking on, once again, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not praying right. Maybe I need to bring everybody and we go on Facebook and start asking for prayers and telling all our business on Facebook. And, 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 and we start thinking maybe there's something wrong with me. But in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, Peter says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, instead he's patient with you. It's interesting to think that the reason God is not answering our prayer or God is not moving or God is not delayed or not coming back yet is because he's being patient with us. He's allowing us the time to get ready to receive that blessing. Because some of us, we're asking for that blessing. We're asking for that answer and we're not quite ready to get it. Our hearts are not where it needs to be. Our lives, there needs still some adjustment because God knows that there are some blessings in our lives that are going to be great for us. But yes, just as they can be great for us, they can have a negative impact on us if we don't look at it in the correct form. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. In fact, I didn't read it, but in verse eight, if you were to read First Peter chapter three, verse eight, he says uh, Peter mentions that. You know what? For the Lord, a thousand years is like one day, and one day is like a thousand years. God will answer your pray- prayer. It might take a thousand years, but He'll answer it. He's not slow. one of those things that makes the church shout is that we serve an on-time God. And our God is never late. And it sounds good when you're shouting it. It sounds good when the congregation's on their feet. It sounds good when everybody's in a a Holy Ghost blessing and they're dancing and everything, but when it's in real life and we're waiting for our miracle and we got to keep in mind that we serve an on-time God, That's where the challenge is at. And see, we've all been attacked by these different flaming arrows in our lives. Whether it's been discouragement, whether it's been a delay in the answer to our miracle or or awaiting on our miracle. Whether it's been doubt. There's many other flaming arrows. There's depression that may come into our life. There are difficulties that you and I face every day. Our health issues, our, our deceptions when we're let down by those around us. Paul says you gotta have your shield of faith. Because just as the rain falls on bad people, rain falls on good people. Rain falls on those that don't believe, rain falls on those who do believe. So how do I how do I keep this shield in my life? I work, obviously, most of you know, I work in the medical field and One of the things that I I started doing when I first started working was x-rays. And one of the things that we learned quickly uh, in x-rays is about the shielding and all the different things that we have to do to protect ourselves and to protect the, the patient. Because long exposure to radiation can cause cancer, can cause a lot of different health problems. So we have to protect ourselves, especially the techs, because they're around it all day long. You know, a lot of, the majority of the year, they're surrounded by radio, a radioactive machine. And, and one of the things that they have us do to keep in compliance with states and regulations is that we have some, some things that we call lead shields. And there can be like aprons or they can be gloves that are shielded. And one of the things that we have to do periodically is that we have to sh- check the shields to make sure there's no cracks in the shield. To make sure that it's intact. Because what will happen is that if you think, if you're not checking checking the, the shield, I'm getting my CH and my SH mixed up, okay? So bear with me. One of the things that... That's my Mexican accent coming out, okay? One of the things that happens is if I'm not... Checking the shield periodically is that I can be in confidence wearing the shield and not realizing that my my abdomen or or other areas of my body is being exposed constantly to radiation and the things that I'm not seeing happening in, in my body will manifest itself and can kill me. When it's as simple as just... Every once in a while, I'll put the shield down, take an x-ray, see if there's any exposure that goes through some sort of crack. If there is, toss it, by a new one, or check it uh, manually, just kind of check it with your fingers, see if you can feel any irre- irre- irregular, no, I can't even say the word. That. In the shield, my C-H and S-H got me all messed up. It's a simple fix. You just got to check it. And it's the same thing with us. Paul says, take up your shield. You got to make sure that your shield is working. You got to make sure that your shield is strong. So how do we do this? How do we keep our shield in working condition? I think the number, first thing we got to do is we got to put our trust in Jesus. There comes a the point I think most of us here are believers we've we've said these words with our hearts and we said Jesus we accept you I accept you as the savior of my life as the savior of my world I give my all to you and we put our trust in Jesus if we want that shield of faith to be active in our lives we got to put our trust in Jesus that's the first thing you got to do if you're not a believer and, and you're tired of all this doubt, you're tired of all this discouragement in your life, and you want to have that shield of faith. I encourage you, you got to put your trust in Jesus. Yesterday, you need to do it yesterday, you need to do it immediately. Trust Jesus. He wants you to understand this. He wants you to really put this in your heart. He wants you to really dig down into this. He says to grasp how wide, and not only wide, how long, and how high, and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And then he has, a, he has a praise break. And he says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him and only to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all the generations forever and ever." Amen. Church, you have a God that can do more than you can ever ask. I, I like to think of it that, that up in heaven, there's a, there's a big storehouse that has my name on it. And inside the storehouse are all the blessings that God has for me in my lifetime here on earth. And all I have to do to, reach, to, to access those blessings that are up in that storehouse. All I have to do to receive that in my life. Only God knows how much he's going to give me at one time. But I know they're there. Because the Bible tells me they're there. All I have to do is, I've got to bend my knee. Present myself before him. Humble myself before him. Recognize him as my God. I don't want to get to heaven. And as we're walking by, I happen to see the storehouse and say, Lord, is that mine? Yeah, these are all the things I wanted to give you, but I mean, you made it, but you know, there was a lot more that I wanted you to accomplish. You had a big purpose in your life. Because our only goal is not to get to heaven. Please don't get this wrong, church. We want to get to heaven, but that's not the only goal that we have as Christians. We have been called to do great things for God. We have been called with great purpose. But it's going to require us to take up that shield of faith. Because the enemy is out to distract you, he's out to distract me. I invite you to pray. Father, we come before you. Lord, we just thank you for your love. We thank you for the faith that you offer us. Lord, there's many of us here today, we've we've been attacked by these flaming arrows of the enemy. And Lord, we're going to be honest, some of these have gotten through. They've gotten past our shield because we were not raising up our shield. And we've been distracted by these fires that have been caused in our lives by the enemy. But Lord Jesus, today we we humble ourselves before you. And we come before you today. And we just ask you for your help. We ask that your Holy Spirit break our heart. Open our heart so that we can receive that what you have for us. And Lord Jesus, some of us, we need to come into your throne room at this moment. Some of us, it's been a long time since we truly put our trust in you. Some of us, we haven't really called upon your name in weeks. Some of us haven't even felt your love in years, Lord Jesus. But today, Lord, we are putting our faith, we are bringing our shield of faith. And we, we, we we, did, we... throw away and we rebuke any attack of the enemy, we rebuke all doubt we rebuke all discouragement we rebuke any thoughts of delay in our minds and today we will come into your throne room with confidence, no